If you talk to any investor, they'll say that ideas are a dime a dozen, but it really comes down to the people. And I just can't tell you how true that is. Because at the end of the day, if you really do have a great idea and you have a strong team, know that that idea is going to evolve and change and may look nothing like it did when they pitched it. But the team is the same. If the team is not good and the idea is great, there's just so much friction throughout the process that we have just seen that it doesn't actually work. Welcome to The Committed Innovator, where experienced innovators and unsung heroes share their triumphs and trials with our host, Eric Roth, the global leader of McKinsey's innovation and growth practice. We'll uncover the real stories behind successful innovations and take you behind the scenes with the leaders developing innovative new technologies and business models to unlock long-term growth. Today, we are so pleased to welcome Tanya Baker. Tanya is a managing director at Goldman Sachs and head of the firm's Accelerate. Accelerate is the firm's internal innovation engine that identifies, invests in, and incubates new businesses for Goldman Sachs. Previously, Tanya ran digital strategy for an investment banking division. Before that, she was part of the technology business development group. Right now, she really is the front end of Goldman Sachs' innovation engine, and we're really, really pleased to have her with us today. So welcome, Tanya. Hey, Eric. Thanks for having me. So Goldman Sachs is a pretty well-known institution globally. What's it like to have the challenge of making it more innovative? So listen, I would start by saying this is corporate innovation is hard. And with a lot of humility, I will say that when we started GS Accelerate, we didn't necessarily think that we had an innovation problem. We have a strong culture around innovation. We're always trying to do things better, smarter, faster, more scalable. And so we were less focused on innovation just from a whole macro perspective and more what we were seeing is that a lot of new businesses weren't coming up from traditional paths. And what I mean by that is every large organization is divided in a different way and you're going to have certain line jobs and accountability. And what we were seeing was that if there was a new business idea that was either crossing multiple divisions or was just so new that you wouldn't even know where it was going to sit, there wasn't really a natural place to be able to evaluate whether it was a good idea. Stephanie Cohen, who was previously chief strategy officer and the original person who spearheaded GS Accelerate, always says that we don't have a chief innovation officer at Goldman Sachs because that's really is everyone's job. But with Accelerate, what we're looking to do is unleash creativity, new business ideas from really anyone at the firm, regardless of where you sit, regardless of how long you've been, regardless of what business you're in, and specifically really be able to have a vehicle to be able to focus on experimenting with them when there wasn't a natural home before. When did these new businesses start to emerge that people noticed that there was pent up ability to create new things? We've been seeing for the past probably 15 years and maybe even longer, just this highly nascent fintech ecosystem. It's tremendously exciting. Some of them have been started by GS alumni. Others have been started by people totally outside the industry. And these are, by the way, companies that we love to work with. We use them as vendors. We sometimes take them public. We advise them on M&A. We'll take strategic investment positions in them. And so we work very closely with the fintech ecosystem. But what we were just starting to see was there's 
opportunity for change and disruption. And actually, I'll take that one step further, is that oftentimes when you're in a job for a long time, you become a little bit stale. Sometimes when you've been doing something for a while, you become efficient enough and you know what you're doing that you're not necessarily the person who's going to come up with that really creative new way of doing it. And so it's something we've been seeing for a while, but we really only launched GS Accelerate three and a half years ago. And it was, you know, I think it was very humbling and, and really fascinating to see not only how many good ideas came through, but also how many talented people really had the desire and capabilities to be able to build these businesses and see them through. So are, are a lot of the ideas in and around fintech then in GS Accelerate? Yeah, I'd say that almost all, but not all are around fintech. We're at this point now where there's still quite a few businesses in our industry that are analog. Anytime you're being asked to fax something or you're being told, please call back tomorrow because it's 5.03 p.m. and the people you need to reach work from 9 to 5, you should really be thinking about, is there an opportunity to build this in a, in a digital, more scalable and candidly smarter way? And so there is a lot of disruption going on in industry. There's a lot of change. And with that, there's a lot of opportunity. They are all good businesses, either for Goldman Sachs as a provider and a better way for us to serve our clients or their businesses that we would love to set up with a partner where we would be the best and first customer and have a board seat where we're uniquely seeing a white space in the market because the ecosystem is not serving our needs. And the theory is that if the ecosystem is not serving our needs, then, then there's probably others out there that could benefit from a certain product or service. So it sounds like a couple things came together to make it the right context for starting up GS Accelerate. First, perhaps a looming disruption from fintech, where the business model of the financial institutions was threatened by startups, or at least there were questions around whether or not the prevailing business models, and of course there was the financial crisis and other things that you, you've certainly weathered, but a question around the underlying business models, were they the long-term answer for, for a firm like Goldman? Secondly, it sounds like that Goldman had a history of having phenomenal talent leave to go start up things that perhaps then became service providers back to Goldman and part of your, your broader ecosystem, as you said. And, and thirdly, it sounds like Goldman itself is trying to innovate its business model, recognizing the challenges of the financial world that it's facing on a day in, day out basis and the reality that it's interacting with a lot of the companies that are helping chart the course for the future of the financial services industry. I'd say that most of that is spot on. I mean, it's interesting. So I started my career at Goldman Sachs in 2008, and it was a really, really challenging time in our industry. Now, looking back many years later, it was fascinating. With change and disruption often comes innovation. We historically, we were a smaller firm, right? We've grown quite rapidly in the last 20 and 30 years, and we went public in 1999. And the culture of Goldman Sachs has traditionally always been one of entrepreneurship and innovation. And as let any organization grows, it becomes harder and harder to do that, especially if you're not in a role that promotes that. And so really the goal for Accelerate was not only to be able to offer that back to anyone who works at the firm, but also for the firm to be able to have 
a capability to be able to experiment. By the way, we hold our failures as up just as proudly as our successes. Because at the end of the day, if you really are innovating, you're not going to achieve 100% success rate. And so for us with Accelerate to have an environment with the right level of sponsorship and the right level of advisors, but by the way, making it okay to fail and embracing pivoting and having a great leadership team is something that we really benefit from. And at the end of the day, we look at a portfolio view and if the portfolio succeeds, but you have a few failures and a few successes in there, then that's really tremendous. And so there's certainly an angle of disruption in there, but I do think that having the muscle and having the capability to be able to try out new concepts and try out new businesses and say, okay, this is working, this is not, and let's pivot and do this and try this is really tremendous and really helps continue to grow and evolve the businesses and set you up for the future. So it sounds like you've got a lot of the almost venture capital learnings and ways of working embedded in Accelerate. Maybe it's worth spending a minute just explaining to everyone what is Accelerate, how does it work, and what do you expect as outcomes for those that participate in it? Absolutely. So GS Accelerate is a platform at Goldman Sachs that anyone and everyone who works full-time at the firm has access to. In the past, we would go out once a year and we would have a five-week period where it would be open. And every year we would change themes or areas of focus. But at the end of the day, we would say, if you have a new idea for a business for Goldman Sachs, then submit it in here. And the initial submission was a super high-level web form. And then we'd pick a few and these teams would pitch, which was always a really fun part of the process. And then we would select a certain number of teams and businesses, usually five to 10, to go what we call offline, but leave their jobs for one week and do a really fully immersive sprint where we would take these businesses from what was a high level concept and to what was more of a fulsome business plan with how much would it cost to build? What do we think is the outcomes? What are the threshold questions? What are the risks? All of that stuff. And then they pitch to the investment committee and every year we invest in a certain number of them. And then people have the opportunity, this is the fun part, to leave their jobs and go and build these businesses full time and with their funding, go and hire a team. And we put a board of directors around them, a sponsor who's a partner of the firm. That's the chair of the board. And they hire a team and we have a bunch of deliverables and milestones and all of that stuff for the new businesses. I would say one part of GS Accelerate that is unique, especially as we often do mark to market with other corporations, is that we don't let any business be an Accelerate for more than two years. And our theory is that within two years, we should really have a sense as to whether there is a forward for the business. And it could take different paths. We could spin it out of the firm. There could be a division that says, oh my God, we see so much promise. You're adding so much value. We now want you to be part of this team. Sometimes we take the learnings and disband them at that time or even sooner. Or sometimes they're generating enough revenue that they don't need additional funding from Accelerate. And at that point, they're they're in a different state. And so there's different ways to exit, but we, we're very much focused on you have two years of runway, but after that point, we really have to see some sort of validation. And if not, we'll take it as a great learning, but not move forward with the business anymore. I mean, it sounds amazing. And how many businesses have exited to date, if you're allowed to share? We have made 15 investments to date, and we currently have a portfolio of five. 
So we've had 10 either a combination of exits and what we call as demises. They don't use the word failure. Given that you've had some demises, clearly there's been some lessons learned. So what are the biggest lessons learned that you've encountered as you've tried to build this? How have you incorporated them back into the next iteration of Accelerate? The biggest one is it really is all about the people. And if you talk to any investor, they'll say that ideas are a dime a dozen, but it really comes down to the people. And I just can't tell you how true that is. Because at the end of the day, if you really do have a great idea and you have a strong team, know that that idea is going to evolve and change and may look nothing like it did when they pitched it. But the team is the same. If the team is not good and the idea is great, there's just so much friction throughout the process that we have just seen that it doesn't actually work. And building on that is that people who have been successful in other roles at Goldman Sachs aren't always the same people that are going to be successful building a new business. It's a different skill set. Sometimes you'll find it's the same person in both cases. But we've seen really, really, really talented people who have been in traditional line jobs with one manager and a lot more structure come in to accelerate and really, really struggle. And it's not a comment on their intelligence and it's not a comment on their capability as a professional. But part of my job and part of the job of all of us in Accelerate really is to identify who we think are the right people to be able to lead these businesses. Just on the people point, do you have a heuristic or something that you can use to identify what looks like a good person for Accelerate versus not? Or is it purely you have to wait until you get into it? There's this whole new ecosystem of company builders, and a lot of them use these various scientific studies to not only determine who would be a good first-time entrepreneur, but also they do matching with people. And we've always talked about, do we want to do something like that? And we haven't yet. But what I have found is that when you go from first, the idea gets submitted and you haven't met the team, and then you see them pitch and we spend time with them. And by the time you've gone through the sprints, and you're pitching to investment committee, we've spent a lot of time with these people. And especially in the first year, there's been instances where you just, you love the idea and you love the business and you sort of know in your heart of heart, this may not be the right people. As we see people working through the sprints, there's people who are very much self-starters who come and say, we have to do this, this, this. They come in with a blank sheet of paper and they populate it and they direct and they lead. And there's others that come in and are like, oh my God, like, what do I have to do today? And you have to hold their hands a little bit more and guide them. Those are the people that we find are more challenging, especially in the leadership roles. And so we don't have any scientific heuristic, but we do spend a lot of times with the teams. There are certainly certain traits that we find work better. What we've seen is that the ability to navigate white space and put structure where there is none and inspire and lead people is, is almost a non-negotiable. And, and how often do you re-resource the teams? Is that a frequent occurrence? Do the entrepreneurs self-select somehow so you get higher odds? Yeah, you know, it's something that we are looking to do a little bit more than what we've done in the past. So I'd say the first year we didn't do any. And I'd say that some of our failures were probably more due to team than due to substance of the idea. The years subsequent to that, when we had the wrong team, we just didn't invest. We passed as I mentioned, as we're looking to make some changes this year, is we have less of a strong commitment this year. 
And so we will tell people, we will invest, but our condition to our investing is that we're going to hire a CEO who's going to be above you and you're going to be the team under them that will deliver, but you're not going to be the leadership team. And then people have the opportunity to take it or leave it, but we will not commit to funding leaders if we don't have confidence that, that they're the right people to, to lead that business. So you said there were some other lessons learned. That was the first was get the right people. Uh, what was the second? The second is, is that, again, you know, this is, it's, it is a pretty common lesson shared, and yet it's harder to execute than not, is at the beginning, you have to hold the team back from building too soon. So often you'll find these teams, they've just been invested in, they're so excited, they're raring to go, and let's start writing code. And actually, in almost every case, that's the wrong answer. And I almost want to make it a rule and say for the three months, first three months, unless you're doing throwaway prototype code, like pens up, talk to people, do a monkey mock version of your app to put something in front of people. Because even though you you know in your head you're going to pivot and change, you start to get too wed to an idea when you start to put it in code too soon. And so, you know, really, really, really talk to clients. If you believe in surveys, do surveys. I think there's many different ways to do it. And actually, there is a benefit at the beginning to really, really, really just listening and learning. So so you're really promoting the work backwards from the customer or the consumer, depending who, who it might be. You must have then run into the, well, wait a minute. Customers really don't know what they're looking for and can't really tell us. So when a team, and I'm assuming that you've heard that from at least one team, when a team comes to you and says, no, no, we know what to go build. So we're just going to go do it. You know, pens up for, that's for someone else because we've got it. What do you tell them? How do you, how do you advise them that they may need to think about things a little differently? Yeah, listen, my advice to that is then put together a monkey prototype, right? It can be all Wizard of Ozing behind the scenes and give them something to play with. Because I think that there is something to be said for that, right? In many cases, customers know what they want. And maybe there is a grand visionary and who's going to prove us all wrong. But I'd say in most cases, when you're in an industry like financial services, where people tend to be quite sophisticated, is the jobs that they live and breathe are very specific to a certain topic. And unless you've done it, it's really hard to be in their shoes. And so I'm not always a huge believer in surveys because I find we all answer a little bit aspirationally and not how we really behave. But if you can mock something together that you know is is a prototype and you know is throwaway and give them something to play with, I think that you will get at least some good leading indicators as to whether you're onto something. Is speed important? I think speed is important. I mean, there, there's certainly an it, it depends element of it, right? It depends on what others are doing. But I do think that speed is important. And I think there's it's good to get good momentum. And I think there's a certain recency effect. And I think if you go to someone with a prototype and then they don't hear from you for a year, then you're a little bit forgotten. So I think speed is important, but it's not important in a vacuum. I think you have to weigh everything else around you. And the last big piece of advice that we give everyone is that if you have someone And by the way, this is someone with a respectful opinion, not someone who's just against it because they want to be contrarian. But if you have someone that really thinks what you're doing is a bad idea and is completely against it, make sure they have a seat at the table. Put them on your board, make them one of your advisors. But oftentimes we will see entrepreneurs that are so obsessed with their solution and not with the problem. 
And so their view is, oh, this person doesn't get it. And they can sometimes ignore them. And if there is someone, again, who knows the space with substance, who is really banging on the table that this is not a good idea, then the best advice to them and what we've seen work well is as painful and challenging and potentially uncomfortable that it's going to be, make sure you hear them. And you may not agree with them, but make sure you really, really understand where they're coming from so that it can inform your next steps and so that you don't have any blind spots. So is an Accelerate-like incubator appropriate for every organization? Because so many companies want to create these things. Or would you say, no, this actually requires a certain level of care and feeding in order to get this right? And it's not probably appropriate for every type of organization. Yeah, so I'm more on the latter. I would say that most corporate accelerators, incubators, actually fail. And we were very, very conscious of that when we created that within Goldman Sachs. And you often get into the innovator's dilemma of the problem is a little bit too small and not important enough for the right level of focus, and yet it could become big. And what we've also seen happen time and time again is that you have to get the right level of proximity to the organization. If it's too far, then you're not getting any of the benefits, so it may as well be standalone. But if it's too close, we find that often the taxes outweigh the benefits. With GS Accelerate, we certainly have a unique structure, but it takes a tremendous amount of sponsorship, air cover, support from the top, very, very close coordination and good relationships with the leaders around the firm. And at the end of the day, each structure that you come up with is going to work well within a certain organization and may not work well in others. And I spend a, a lot of time with peers and colleagues of mine from other large organizations that have their own version. And the structures are all different. And as a result, we all have different pain points. And some of it is cultural and some of it is just that where we've chosen to put our areas of focus. But I really, I don't think it's right for everyone. And I think you have to be very clear on what you're solving for and make sure, again, that you have that right level of support from the top, because otherwise these things really, really do tend to be extremely challenging. Tanya, you mentioned something about leadership. How do you engage with the senior leaders and what would you say is the importance of having those senior leaders involved in the Accelerate platform? I'd say that our senior leadership engagement and sponsorship is so critical to the success of Accelerate that I don't think we could function without it. And the reason is, is that we're all really busy and there has to be that right level of trust that if you go through Accelerate and you, by the way, are spending nights and weekends that you don't even have working through an idea, that if it is a good idea, the funding and support is going to be there at the end. And without that sponsorship and without the mind share and without the encouragement of senior leaders to participate in this, I just think a lot of people who are in big jobs would really have a hard time then stepping out and saying, okay, now I'm leaving at, you know, hour X, which is really late, but I'm really passionate about this. And I'm going to spend a few more hours because I can do make this even better. So I think it is really important. We engage with our leaders in a few different ways. And so to be a little bit more specific is for Accelerate itself, we are managed by a board. We have an extremely senior group of people across the firm that are on our board. And at the end of the day, they're accountable for 
the spend off the balance sheet and for the investment decisions and all of that. And then they help really promote and make sure that we have the right level of people and focus and sponsorship around the organization. But even broader than that is every business that we fund has a board of directors, which is composed of senior people, so managing directors and partners. And each business has to have what we call a PMD chair. So it's a partner that's a chair of the board that sponsors the initiative and that is putting their name on it. Our board meetings now are, we're now doing them every two months. We used to do them four times a year as well. And so it's not a lot of time, but it is important that they have their name behind it. More broadly than that is that we have regional engagement and regional sponsors. So we've been a global program from day one. And again, without having the heads of the regions really promote and sponsor and help with it, these things don't work. And we will sit down with all of these people on a very regular cadence to talk through their priorities. What are they focused on? What are potential disruptive forces to their business? How can we go and really help support them? And so we have a very symbiotic relationship and we work very closely with all of them across the board and globally. And how do you manage what I call the difference between alignment and commitment. Alignment is everyone saying, Accelerate is great. We're excited about it. We're all nodding. We want to be supportive. Commitment is actually, I'm going to spend the time. I'm going to give you resources. I'm going to let someone come out of the role and actually go build a business. I'm going to actually move money, OPEX, capital, CapEx, into some of these to fund it and really be willing to wait and see what happens. How does Goldman make sure that the commitment is there as opposed to just the alignment? Yeah, it's a great question. And a lot of the reasons for the structure that we have today are to ensure that we get the right alignments. And listen, we don't need alignment from everyone, but depending on the business that we're pitching, we need alignment from certain key people. Before we pitch any business, we do a lot of work. And at the end of the day, we're looking at this not as a cost center, but as an investment opportunity and as a way to better serve our clients. And where we really need alignment from is A, people who whose clients would benefit from it. So if it's going to benefit your business and you see this as an investment in the future and a potential new revenue stream or, or, or a new way to be able to run your business, then an alignment is natural. Right. And so we structure it very much as I'm an entrepreneur. I've done a whole bunch of homework. I've become an expert at this and I'm pitching to you for funding. And by the way, if this is successful, you're going to be able to do all these things that you can't do today. So that's number one. Number two is we have the board. And the board, I'd say, is one of the key elements of our governance structure. And all of the major decisions will go through the board. And by the way, also, we're going to be transparent with you with how we're measuring success. And if we're not meeting success, then every quarter you're going to have the opportunity to raise your hand and say, you know what, this is not working. I thought it was going to deliver X. We're delivering Y. I think we should re-question whether this investment makes sense. And so the opportunity, A, to not make an investment decision for the next five years, but to make it more bite-sized and more chunky is important. And I think the ability to stay engaged and knowing that it's going to benefit your business has been really critical factors that, that for us have led to alignments. So in the spirit of commitment, do you think that Goldman would ever offer investment opportunities in Accelerate businesses to its customers? You're not the first person to ask that question. We have definitely been looking at businesses 
where this is not something that we'd be looking to own 100% in perpetuity. And some of those businesses day one, the view is let's start it. And then if it's successful, we'll spin it out, in which case, absolutely. Others of those businesses, it actually doesn't ever make sense for us to own 100%. And so we will look to partner with whether it's other corporates or other peers on Wall Street or other strategic partners to set it up day one where we would take a minority stake. We're definitely open to creative investment structures. We haven't gone super broad, how you're asking, but we're we're absolutely not obsessed with the idea of GS being the only player on the table. So we've talked a lot about lessons that Accelerate has learned. I want to talk about lessons that you personally have learned, because in some ways you are the entrepreneur building a business called Accelerate, which is a platform to grow new businesses. So what has Tanya Baker learned about being an entrepreneur inside Goldman Sachs? I will say this. I continue to learn every single day, but some key lessons. So you were talking about alignment, making sure that you have that right alignment, support, air cover in a large organization is absolutely critical. And at the beginning, when it's a new shiny object, it's actually a lot easier than it is down the road when you may have had some failures or you've had some challenges or the world is changing and there's a next new shiny object and you know, you're know you not as shiny as you were before. And so really managing your stakeholders, managing your board, being super transparent, being open to feedback, being open to changing is something that I continue to learn every day. Two is that when we started GS Accelerate in 2018, the firm was in a very different place, right? So we had we had different leadership, a few of the large businesses that we've recently made quite sizable investments in hadn't yet kicked off. We were structured very differently. And so the structure of Accelerate was designed for Goldman Sachs of 2018. And when we finished up 2020 and going into 2021, we stepped back and we said, listen, if we if GS Accelerate didn't exist, how would we structure it to solve tomorrow's problems and not yesterday's problems? And we made some changes because of that. And so I would say is that once you find something that works and you really, you've cracked it, you've got it, it's all working well, don't get too comfortable. Every few months revisit and say, listen, this worked amazing last year, but what's changed and will this still work next year and going forward? Clearly, we've come from an extraordinary time where you probably also had to, in the spirit of pivoting and learning and iterating and innovating, as you just said, had to change some things. What did COVID do to accelerate in the sense of how it needs to evolve to the COVID world that we've been living in for the last year plus? Yeah, we launched Accelerate last year in February of 2020, and we were set to close our submission window the Friday before we all went on quarantine. Certainly, I didn't quite appreciate how much and how quickly things would change. And when you have something like Accelerate, you know, the question is, is, well, are you going to keep going? And so we bought ourselves a little bit of time and we pushed back the deadline a month. And then as we went through, all of a sudden, everything was different. And so, listen, we moved everything to digital We did 60 pitches globally, all through Zoom. And 
Although there's certainly advantages to being in a room and physically being around people, especially the chatter before and after, there are actually some real advantages to being over Zoom. And the biggest one is that Accelerate has always been global from day one, and yet our team has primarily been in New York. And so there was always the people in the room and the people on video. But when everyone is on video, it's a little bit more of a level playing field. And I wouldn't know who was in Asia, who was in San Francisco, who was in Seattle, who was in New York. And so any inherent bias that you may have as you know, you're sitting next to me in the room and you're on the screen and maybe I don't know you as well or whatnot goes away because everyone is in the same place. And so that worked well. And what we saw coming through after that is these teams that were forming together were all over the place as well. Because again, there was no advantage to being physically in the same location. And so now, I mean, we have one of the businesses that we funded this year, which is one of the ones I'm just so excited about. We have an amazing team. It's a, it's a really analog old business that is just right for disruption. They're setting up their headquarters jointly across Birmingham, UK, and Dallas. And now these people, they talk all the time over Zoom and they've gotten to, you know, quote unquote, know each other. We hadn't seen that happen in such a big way pre-COVID. Well, I can say that I appreciate your willingness to join virtually today. And thank you so much for sharing not only Accelerate's journey, but your own personal journey as well. I am hoping that our listeners uh, take a lot away from that and um, will apply some of those lessons to their own journey. So thank you so, so much, Tanya, for joining us. And we really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. Thanks for listening. You can find a transcript of this conversation at mckinsey.com slash committed innovator. We look forward to having you join us again soon for the next episode of The Committed Innovator.